above. All other insipid and puerile forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. You are listening to the most popular political podcast in the state of Wyoming. Over 100,000 downloads strong and documented to be almost always right 98.97% of the time. Perhaps you've been wondering how it is that I arrive at nicknames and theme songs. Well, they're not just given on a whim. A nickname has to be earned. Take, for example, the Pravda on the Platte. This one's pretty easy to figure out. The Pravda, the Casper Star Tribune, constantly engages in left-wing propaganda. Now their namesake, Pravda, was and is the official state paper of the former Soviet Union and now communist Russia. They are renowned for misleading the populace into believing things that just really aren't that true. First of all, they masquerade as a Wyoming-owned paper. They're not. The Wyoming Pravda is owned by Lee Enterprises, which is a Virginia-based media conglomerate. That's why you see all of these op-ed pieces from people that you've never heard about, and they publish podcasts from people who are in Virginia that don't have any understanding of what's actually happening in Wyoming. And then there's the constant stream of left-wing lunacy that they publish under the guise of being news. The best example of that is their reporting of all of these dumb letters that those idiotic lawyers are sending to Harriet Hegeman. And as it relates to that primo example of them lying to you, I haven't uncorked that story yet because I am waiting on an interview with one of the lawyers that signed that letter. So I'm hoping that that episode will be broadcast next week. I'm telling you, my friends, you're going to love it. So that's the Pravda on the Platte. And then, of course, there's the cow pie, the Cowboy State Daily. They have a particularly irritating habit of publishing headlines that are total bullcrap that then they correct halfway down in the middle of an article. They do this because most people just read the headlines and assume whatever it is that they're reading is the truth. And then people like leftist Leo correct the headline down in the body of the article. And that way they can claim that they're not lying to you. If you pay attention, on several occasions, they publish headlines that are total bullcrap, and then later on in the day, they change the headline to be more accurate. But of course, you know, their first headline is already out in their morning email and all over the internet, so that's the headline that most people read. The reason I bring this up is I'm having some difficulty coming up with a theme song for the cow pie. Rather than exhaust all of my energy in coming up with a theme song, I thought I would put to work the collective efforts of the loyal Cowboy State Politics listeners. Now remember, any good and high-quality theme song has to be particularly insulting and derisive. So go to work and see what you can come up with. In any case, that's where we're going to start this morning, in the cow pie. But before we do that, some completely outrageous self-aggrandizement. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. 
There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If you're one of these people that writes for the Cowboy State Daily, and you can't figure out what's true or not, well, you can go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, and I've probably already done your work for you. Not that you're really going to listen, though. This portion of the program is brought to you by our newest sponsor, New Trend Hats. Winter's coming, my friends, and you don't want your head or your ears to get cold. They have a wide variety of winter hats for both men and women. As far as headwear goes, and of course, I am an expert, they're pretty moderately priced. So go check out their website, NewTrendHats.com, or you can give Laura a call at 307-350-5640. That's NewTrendHats.com. To the cow pie! See, it's like I told you, it's just not working. It's not nearly as effective as the Russian national anthem. In any case, an article entitled Wyoming Legislators to Consider Giving Themselves More Than a 50% Raise, Leo the Leftist on September 29th writes, quote, Wyoming lawmakers are considering a bill that would increase their salaries by 53%. The Subcommittee on Legislator Compensation will consider draft legislation next week that would increase the per diem daily salary for state legislators by $80, bumping them from $150 to $230 per day, end quote. Now, if you just read that and not any further, the top of your head would likely come off. Because if you do the math, that would mean that they want to bump their salaries to $28.75 an hour. <laughs> and just let me remind you who it is exactly that would be getting that raise. Oh, I think you got to stop and take a look at what you're doing here. I speak against this because it kind of reminds me of that fairy tale, Cinderella. You know, you're designing a slipper, right? It's called a budget slipper. And then you're trying to cram everything into that slipper. And why would we want to make it harder on ourselves? much less the folks that are going to come after us. I don't think you want to do that. I doubt very seriously that Bill Henderson would have that same reaction to having his salary bumped to twenty-eight seventy-five an hour. Which, by the way, nobody challenged him in the primary. Can you believe that? The bar must be set pretty low down in Cheyenne. <laughs> what am I talking about? Of course it is. Well, anyway, if we just left the discussion right there, you'd be scrambling for the duct tape because you'd be picking up pieces of your head all over the room. But the problem is, it's exactly what I was talking about. The headline and the first few paragraphs of this article just aren't true. They're not talking about raising their own salaries, nor are they talking about raising the salaries of everybody who's going to come in in January, because they can't. Article 3, Section 6 of the Wyoming Constitution forbids them from doing so. And I quote, no legislature shall fix its own compensation, end quote. Now, Leo the leftist doesn't correct this until about an eighth of the way through his article. So the draft legislation wouldn't go into effect until 2027. The part that should make your head come off is the whole 2875 an hour business. According to Google, the average hourly wage in Wyoming is $21 an hour. And I think we can all agree that the work product that comes out of Cheyenne most of the time isn't even worth that. Most of that committee that's proposing this legislation is made up of redcoats and Democrats. 
For example, the chairman of that committee is soon to be former Redcoat Speaker of the House Eric Barlow. I'm sure, given the opportunity, he would definitely increase his wages. Interestingly enough, though, it was Democrat Minority Floor Leader Kathy Connolly who had the biggest aversion to this piece of legislation. Now, she did propose it to go into effect in 2027, but it's interesting to hear what she said during the committee meeting. I do have a couple. You know, even though it has been said that there's not much appetite for raising salaries, I would like us to revisit it. When I put into an inflation calculator the $150 that was passed in 2005, that's over $227 a day right now. And so I would like us to take a look at that next time. And I would suggest that we put that dollar figure at 230, right? Um, but my idea is, is to push it out five years. And so that every sitting, no sitting legislator will get that increase in salary until he or she has been reelected. So I'd like to see us continue that talk about pay. And we haven't been able to do much as a body in terms of even talking about our per diem, salary, these benefits or lack thereof as a body because of, I would call it the optics of it appearing that we are raising our own salaries. So what are the options that are available to us so that it isn't us looking to raise our salaries? Um, and if LSO could provide us information about, for example, a citizens commission, a governor's committee, whatever, that would take a look at these issues and make recommendations so it's not us. Because honestly, we haven't been very successful at it. Now, of course, there's no recognition of the Wyoming Constitution prohibiting them from raising their own salaries, but we can give Kathy Connolly a C for effort. My point here is that very clearly, these legislators were not talking about raising their own salaries. That wasn't the legislative draft that was asked for, and what Leo the leftist is doing with his article is just trying to get a flashy headline. That's it. Total clickbait. Next up, another group of miscreants that need a nickname and an app theme song to go along with it. The Wyoming Tribune Eagle. An article entitled LCSD1 Trustees Vote to Join WEA Lawsuit and They Approve Most Policy Changes, written by Hannah Black yesterday. And I quote, ahem, ahem. LCSD1, the motion says, concurs with the WEA's claims against the state and has additional and distinct claims of educational harm to students resulting from the state's failure to adequately and equitably fund education, end quote. It also says that the state's educational system and physical facilities with which to carry on the process of education are not currently being funded according to constitutional mandates and governing law, resulting in harm to this district. End quote. Barf. Now, I'm sure that's exactly what the Laramie County School District Number 1 voted on. But it's not the whole story. You see, they do have some facilities that are in dire need of repair. They have one building where the roof won't support an air conditioning system. So the temperature in some classrooms is around 80 degrees. They've got a couple buildings with antiquated electrical systems, so if they plug in more than one fan in a classroom, it trips the breaker. Definitely not ideal learning conditions. But that's not the whole story. 
And had the Wyoming turkey vulture bothered to dig into the story at all, they would have found that the Laramie County School District has millions stashed away that they've not spent at all. The purpose of said money was to improve educational buildings, you know, like maybe repairing an electrical system or something. So what they're doing is they're keeping funds that were appropriated by the legislature in an account and they're not using them so that they don't jeopardize their priority list on the school facilities chart. So they want a better school instead of repairing the ones that they have, which is exactly what the legislature had intended for that money. You know, to uh, effect repairs where needed. Once I get all the audio sound bites put together, I'll bring them to you in a later episode. Some of them are amazing. Laramie County School District totally gets their chops busted by another agency for not spending the money that the legislature appropriated for them and then asking for millions more to do projects that they probably have most of the money for. They just don't want to spend it. Like I said, I'll bring you those sound bites once I get them processed. One of the big controversies in Wyoming, and it has been for a while, is all of these library books that are pushing sexual material on high school and elementary and middle school students. The most recent random act of journalism from the cow pie goes through in painstaking and really gross detail what's exactly in these books, and it's absolutely shocking. Credit where credit is due. Clara McFarland with The Cow Pie did a great job with that article, and you can find a link to it on the show content tab at cowboystatepolitics.com. Now, while most of the attention is focused on the sexualization of children, and absolutely we have to deal with that problem while respecting the First Amendment and the free speech of all of the students that go to these schools, it's a question of should we have pornography in public schools? And the answer is absolutely no. That's not the purview of the school. That's not their purpose. It doesn't have anything to do with the requirements put on Wyoming schools by the legislature. And it has absolutely no place whatsoever in Wyoming schools. But the rot doesn't stop there. The Wyoming Education Association, the teachers' union, is a leftist organization. I mean, after all, they've got pictures of the communist fist on their website. If you really feel like nauseating yourself, you should read what's on the WEA website. Talk about something that'll make your head explode. Well, most teachers in Wyoming are part of the Wyoming Education Association. And while they may not espouse exactly what those leftists at the teachers' union believe, information from the teachers' union does trickle down to Wyoming classrooms in the form of educational trainings and handouts and information that is sent to each and every teacher in the state of Wyoming. So it stands to reason that even though a teacher may not espouse any of the beliefs that are coming out of this leftist organization, some of it probably does end up in the classroom. You just can't help it if you're bombarded with all of this leftist dogma. Allow me to give you an example of how difficult it would be to resist all of this information that you're being fed. Right now, I'm rereading a book called The Epic of America by James Truslow Adams. The 1931 book is the very first time the phrase, the American dream, appears in written form. And he uses that phrase throughout the entire book. Most of us probably learned in school that the American dream was to own your own house, have 2.3 kids and 3.2 cars and and 1.4 dogs. Total materialism. 
But that's not at all what James Truslow Adams meant when he used the phrase, the American dream. Now, I'll get to that in just a second. But first, a completely obscene profit timeout. I'll tell you what the phrase, the American dream, really means in just a second. But first, a word from our sponsors. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a giant roping arena or a huge warehouse, then you should call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings, 307-674-2532. These guys are the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't matter what type of building you have in mind. Give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. 307 Cowboy Fabrication is your source for livestock shelters. They're constructed out of a three and a half inch heavy walled pipe tubing base. And then Wyoming milled full dimension rough cut lumber is used to build the shelter. It's fully sheeted with OSB and then they cover it with 29 gauge high quality metal fabricated right here in Wyoming. So if you need an animal shelter, give my friends Bryce and Melody Reese a call at 307-441-1815 to discuss your animal shelter needs. Call them today. Right now is the highest we've ever seen gun markets, and the best performers are the vintage collectible firearms, Winchesters, Colts, and rare military weapons. Over in Cody, Gunrunner Auctions is one of the nation's leading online auction houses, and they're celebrating their 23rd year. It doesn't matter what type of firearm you're looking for, they probably have it and a wide selection of ammunition and gun accessories. Every month, beginning on the 7th, they post 500 fine firearms for sale. All of them start at 20 bucks with no reserve. So if you've been looking for a new firearm, go check out GunRunnerAuctions.com. Don't forget about the live program every Thursday at 10 a.m. And now, back to the program. So anyhow, I've been rereading this book called The Epic of America. And like I said, it's the first time the phrase the American dream appears in print. It got me wondering what exactly students are being taught about what the American dream actually is. I stumbled upon an article from the Smithsonian, you know, the largest museum in the country. And obviously, they're going to give an accurate reporting of what Truslow Adams actually meant by that phrase aren't they? Smithsonian Magazine published an article in October of 2018 entitled, The Original Meanings of the American Dream and America First Were Starkly Different from How We Use Them Today. Of that, I have no doubt. Now, the subtitle to this article is, A New Book from Historian Sarah Churchwell Examines the Etymologies of Two Ubiquitous Phrases. Quote, Introduced more than a century ago, the concepts of American Dream and America First quickly became intertwined with race, capitalism, democracy, and with each other. 
Through extensive research, Churchwell traces the evolution of the phrases to show how the history has morphed the meaning of the American dream and how different figures and groups appropriated America first, end quote. Now, this Churchwell lady, she claims to be a historian, and she's actually a professor of American literature and public understanding of the humanities at the University of London. Keep that in mind. Quote, when Mussolini took power in November of 1922, the word fascism entered the American political conversation. People were trying to understand what this new thing fascism was. Around the same time, between 1915 and the mid-1920s, the Second Klan was on the rise. Across the country, people explained the Klan, America First, and fascism in terms of each other. If they were trying to explain what Mussolini was up to, they would say, it's basically America First, but in Italy. The Klan instantly declared that America First was one of its most prominent slogans. They would march with, with it on its banner, and they would carry it in parades. They ran advertisements saying that they were the only America First society. They even claimed to hold the copyright, which wasn't true. By the 1930s, America First stopped being a presidential slogan, and it began to be claimed by extremist far-right groups who were self-styled self American fascist groups like the German-American Bund and the Klan, end quote. Here in a second, it's going to become abundantly clear that this lady is no historian. First of all, Mussolini wasn't a member of the right wing in Italy, in fact, he started out as a member of the Italian Communist Party, but they kicked him out because he was too radical. Imagine that, a communist who was too radical. So he started the Fascist Party, modeled after what Hitler was doing in Germany. Now, of course, the Nazis were not right-wingers either. They started out as the National Socialist Party. It's also interesting that this Churchwell lady associates the Ku Klux Klan with the right wing. They were nothing of the sort. In fact, the Klan was started by Democrats. At the 1924 Democrat convention, the Klan actually held a parade for the Democrats. Reaching farther back, at the time of the Civil War, almost every single Democrat legislator owned slaves, but not a single Republican congressman owned any. And although she doesn't come out and say it in the article, Churchwell kind of paints a rosy picture of Woodrow Wilson. I hate that guy. Wilson was an avowed racist. You're talking about a guy that resegregated the military. He screened the film The Birth of a Nation at the White House. That is the Ku Klux Klan movie. If you want to know where all the progressive problems that we're dealing with today started, they started with Woodrow Wilson. But I digress. When Churchwell is talking about the American dream, she puts it this way, quote, The American dream has always been about the prospect of success, but 100 years ago the phrase meant the opposite of what it does now. The original American dream was not a dream of individual wealth. It was a dream of equality, justice, and democracy for the nation. The phrase was repurposed by each generation until the Cold War when it became an argument for a consumer capitalist version of democracy. End quote. Notice that she keeps repeating that word, democracy. Quote, 1931 was when it became a national catchphrase. That was thanks to the historian James Truslow Adams, that part's true, who wrote The Epic of America, in which he was trying to diagnose what had gone wrong with America in the depths of the Great Depression. He said that America had gone wrong in becoming too concerned with material well-being 
well-being and forgetting the higher dreams and the high aspiration that the country had been founded on. The phrase was redefined in the 1950s and seen as a strategy for soft power and commercializing the American dream abroad. It was certainly an American dream of democracy, but it was very specifically a consumerist version that said this is what the American dream will look like. By contrast with the earlier version, which was focused on the principles of liberal democracy, this was very much a free market version of that, end quote. Now, you notice she keeps using the word democracy, but that is not a word that Truslow Adams used in the book, The Epic of America, at least not the passage that she's referring to. It comes right from the very first page of the book, the preface. Allow me to read it to you. Quote, the author has endeavored, in particular, to trace the beginnings at their several points of entry of such American concepts as bigger and better, of the attitude towards business, of many characteristics which are generally considered as being typically American, and in especial, that American dream of a better, richer, happier life for all of our citizens of every rank, which is the greatest contribution we have as yet made to the thought and welfare of the world. That dream or hope has been present from the start. Ever since we became an independent nation, each generation has seen an uprising of the ordinary Americans to save that dream from the forces which appeared to be overwhelming and dispelling it. Possibly the greatest of these struggles lies just ahead of us at the present time. Not a struggle of revolutionists against established order, but of the ordinary man to hold fast to those rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which were vouchsafed to us in the past in vision and on parchment. If you'll notice, he doesn't use the word democracy. Do you know why? Because rights are incompatible with a true vision of what democracy is. If you have a real democracy, rights don't really matter because it is the will of the majority that rules. The whole reason that we have rights in America is so that the will of the majority doesn't crush you. My point here is that this self-proclaimed historian, who is obviously not one, is trying to twist what Truslow Adams, the original guy that came up with the phrase, the American dream, what he meant by the American dream, and that is a country of rights. That being said, there is a fair amount of discussion in the book about class struggles. That's probably because he was a progressive and it makes sense for him. But it doesn't negate the point that what is being pushed by Smithsonian Magazine is at best twisted and is at worst completely wrong. In other words, it's pretty easy for the Wyoming Education Association to push their progressive agenda when they're dealing with material like this. I mean, who's going to question the Smithsonian? The answer to all of this is for parents to be intimately involved in their children's education so that they can spot misinformation like this. In 33 days, we're going to have an election in which multiple school board officials are going to be elected. It's important to know who these people are and what they stand for and what they believe. There's forums that are being held across the state for a multiplicity of different offices. I'm going to one of them tonight for the Buffalo City Council. Oh yeah, by the way, if you live in Buffalo, that forum begins at 5.30 at the Johnson County Library. I'd love to see you there. In any case, wherever you live in our great state of Wyoming, make sure you attend these forums and ask the candidates questions. Let's find out who these people are that are going to be directing our children's education. Are they progressives that are doing everything that the WEA tells them? 
Or are they people that are genuinely interested in the subjects that they're going to be teaching our kids? Well, that'll do it for today's installment of the program. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk again tomorrow during the live broadcast. It starts at 10 a.m. You don't want to miss it. From the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is Cowboy State Politics.